Hey, it's Jamie Sumner, left guard from 1994-95, and this is the Bunch of Nuts podcast with my boys Dan and Cass. Go Bucks! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. I'm Dan. I'm here. I'm back from the honeymoon. It was really relaxing. It was great. I ate, drank, I was merry, happy for a whole 10 days. Um, Cass, thank you for holding down the fort with Blake. Uh, shout out Blake as always. Great episode. Um, but, you know, it, it's we're gearing up for football season, man. Um, vacation was great. I'm ready to get back to talking some football. Um, and we got an interesting show lined up here today, Cass. Some recruiting, some, um, you know, top 10 debates. Basketball non-conference schedule got released. We got a pretty big show today, um, and it's only gonna you know it's only gonna start ramping up. You know it's kind of dead of summer right now, but it's it, you know it's it's about to get going. First off, welcome back, Dan. Thank welcome you. Welcome back. It's always a pleasure to see that smiling face across <laughs> the phone. Uh, but you know, always to have my bad cop to my good cop, or on some on most topics. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, let's dive into Ohio State had a huge weekend, in my opinion, when it came to recruiting. Um, they hosted some a couple guys. Um, the KJ Bolden really loved Ohio State. I don't think we're gonna land KJ Bolden, but the fact that Ohio State is closer than what people think now, he's gonna probably end up at Georgia. Um, but being the kid from Georgia, he's still gotta visit Alabama, or he may have canceled it as one of those two things. But um, and then you had Dylan Stewart, Dylan Stewart, uh, two of the guys who we have a shot, like KJ Bolden safety out of Georgia. And then Dylan Stewart is the, uh, defensive lineman, I think from New Jersey who came in this weekend. There's three defensive ends that, um, Lightfoot is one of them. Um, I don't know the other type, type of the guy they're talking about how we could, it could be like 2020, uh, or 2021 where we landed JTT and Jack Sawyer. Um, it could be an instance where we can land two of these five-star defensive linemen. Um, do you think, course, do you think with ahead. Bolden, like, I'm sorry, I cut you off with Bolden. You think, I know you were cooking. I'm sorry. With Bolden, you think like the, the Georgia fatigue might play a factor. I mean, they've two straight national championships. It's, it's in his backyard. Do you think that could honestly almost be an advantage for Ohio state? Cause it's something different. Um, I it, mean, it's it, right it, there. It's, it's possible. But I think the fact that Ohio State went into Georgia's backyard and got the number one quarterback out of Ohio State uh, out of Georgia, and this is the second time that Ohio State Ryan Day has went and grabbed um, a top five, maybe one or two quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, J- Justin Fields, you know, they were one A, one B, in my opinion. Um, but you're going to grab Aaron Nolan, who's a top five quarterback, 2024 class, Elite eleven, the lead eleven. And um, who I think by the end of the year, just by competition wise, he may jump Jaden Daniels. Um, but I think, I think it's just the fact that Ohio State's secondary play, the defense played better, and I think just year two of Jim Knowles' defense could help sway. I don't think he's going to end up a Buckeye, but it's the fact that it's closer than what people think is it's huge. And, you know, especially with the other guys. And and also, too, if we – if, say, K.J. Borden ends up deciding to go to Ohio State, 
the the two guys who I think we need to have desperately need to have in this class is Bryce West and Aaron Scott. Aaron, they're out of Ohio. Uh, Bryce West out of Cleveland, Glenville, four star defensive back, and then the four star uh, number one recruit in the state of Ohio. Uh, um, Scott, we need those guys big time. We can't let those guys. And the funny, the interesting thing about Scott is, I mean, Wes is going to visit Michigan this week. Um, but the interesting thing about Scott is it's between Oregon, Ohio state and Michigan. He likes Michigan, but he also loves Ohio state too, but his parents love Ohio state. And, um, that's the interesting thing. And then I heard a joke today uh, from my boss and said, well, maybe he since he likes Michigan, his, his parents like Ohio State, maybe he just goes in between and goes to Oregon. I think <laughs> <Ohio> <laughs> yeah. just, to, just to kill the narrative there. Kind of is, is the difference, I feel like. Yeah. But I think we're going to end up with both those guys. I know um, a lot of people a lot of people said Ohio State had a you know, huge weekend and we're expecting some commits this week. Hold your horses. <laughs> it was just a great weekend in recruiting, knowing that we did get some crystal balls uh, from Bill, Bill Kierlich, and I think Bill Kierlich is one of the best in the biz. Him, between him and Dave Biddle, you can trust any anything those two guys say. Um, uh, I know there's no such thing as moral victories, but it does feel good. Even if you don't get the guy, it does feel good, you know, making Georgia, Alabama, all these southern schools – waste time and resources battling with us over guys like in their backyard. That's yeah. a good, that's good. That's, that's then, a good sign. Even if you don't get them all the time, even if you can get one or two, um, it's a, it's a great win. I think if you can really pull that off. And and the fact that the number one offensive tackle in the country from California, um, I don't have his name at the top of my head. The fact that he loves Ohio state, is huge for Justin Fry. I think this, to all, we, we, the Aaron Nolans, the Aaron Scott, the no, you know, the No West, um, all the other guys, the the I think it's not, not the Montgomery Twins, the the Twins. You know who I'm talking about, the offensive mm-hmm. line. I think this guy is the biggest name that we have to get because the right now the weakness of this football team in the unknown is the offensive line. If Justin Fry can get this kid. This is this would be huge for Ohio State, especially on the offensive line side. I, I agree, man. I all, all facts, man. Um, what I was gonna say is, and I'm completely drawing a blank now because I had it all written up here. Um, Aaron Nolan, Elite Eleven. That's what I was really hyped about. I mean, I know we were kind of joking about this, um, you know, before and everything. Uh, how serious is the lead 11? Obviously, we said, I said, you know, Tate Martell, I think, was a finalist. But obviously, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, um, Spencer Rattler, Stroud. I believe. Yeah, C.J. Stroud. It's it, it's a great sign if, you know, you're a lead 11 finalist. Aaron Nolan did it. Um, it doesn't always translate over, but it's a good sign. It's a really good sign, man. Um, and another thing I want to add about recruiting and that just came back to me. Um, it didn't help that Hayes Fawcett tweeted Ohio State recruiting and it's just a rocket ship taking off. You know, it, I think it, I think that kind of caused the hype to get a little out of hand. Um, yeah, I think that was a dumb tweet by him. Um, just because like nothing was official yet, um, and nothing is official. If Ohio State obviously gets one of these guys, 
Huge, huge. It's it's a great like I'm happy with one, and then you know we can fill in the roster around them. Two, three, four. I mean, if we get a bunch of them, amazing. But um, let's just hold, like you said, let's hold the hype for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, let's hold the hype. But I think Scott and West and the offensive tackle, Lightfoot, uh, Dylan Stewart, I think are the Jeremiah five Smith. Muskets, the five muskets. I mean, they have Jeremiah Smith, but he's—I mean, he's—he's he's going to be a stud too. But the with the guys that have not committed, those five that I mentioned: uh, Stewart, Lightfoot, um, the kid from California, the offensive lineman, and then West and Scott. Those are muskets, especially the four defensive players. Those are the muskets. Mm-hmm. No, I, so, I agree. I agree. So, pose this question to Twitter. It's a little fun. We like to do a little fun things during the summer. Um, best wide receiver tandem in in the country. Um, I mean, in Ohio State, not not the country. In Ohio State history. Um, I just realized when I was looking at this, I spelled it says Samsonbacher, but I mean, we we all know who it is. Yeah, we're not um, we're not we're not confusing that for like Johnny Dixon or like no. KJ Hill. And I want to throw an honorable mention out here just because um just because, you know, what it what it could have been. Um but the 2020 uh I want to say the 2020 No, I never mind. They're on there. Never mind. They're they're happy. The 2018, 2018 had four stud wide receivers. And I want to throw, it could have been a tandem, however you looked at it, but KJ Hill and Paris Campbell, um, could have, could have been a duo, uh, before, think about 2017. We'll, I'll say 2017, Paris Campbell and, um, Paris Campbell and KJ Hill. Just because. And Terry Warren. Uh, or like, Terry, yeah. Terry McLaurin hadn't broke out yet. And Honestly, I think Terry had the worst numbers at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, well, not not like out of those. Like if you put Paris, Terry, KJ Hill, I think Terry's numbers were lower than KJ's. Believe it. But or I not. think, but I think Terry McLaurin was the in 2018 was the more, more impactful, if if that makes sense. But anyways, best wide. Best wide receiver t- tandem. I took it to Twitter. We had a great response, so thank you everybody for responding to that. That was great. That was great interaction. And they're not in order. The, the cash has put the numbers down as like bullets, um, just like yeah. lists. It was not in a particular order. It was where we wanted you guys to make the order, embrace the bait. Um, just want to point that out because a lot of people were like, "I kind of people, like, how could you have this person this high?" It's like it's just it's just a list. It's not <laughs> not in order. We promise. This is the so official I'm, list we're giving today. Yeah. And maybe we'll make a graphic uh, of this so we can, you know, let everybody know who doesn't listen. Because I'm sure there's Twitter followers that don't listen. <laughs> but I'm going number – I switched this up with mine. I'm going to have to switch it up here. Number 10 for me, and this could have been better if he didn't get suspended in 2011. But Devere Posey and Dane Sansenbacher are my number 10. Um, I had them at number nine, but after thinking about it a, cu- a couple times, um, I had to. I didn't see enough, if you know, know what I mean, to make them number uh, number nine on my list. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have a, I, I think we're gonna have similar, similar lists, but just a little slightly different, um, you know, like spots and all that. I, I have, uh, I have at number 10 and I know you're going to roll your eyes when I say this. Um, I have Boston and D Miller. Um, just because it does, it doesn't feel like a duo. It just feels like David Boston and then and D Miller was a good player. But didn't do anything in the NFL. I don't think he even played much. Um, I mean, I couldn't find it right. I don't think he played. I looked at all. I, I, I tried. I tried finding stats for the game. I think he did some time in this in training camp. I mean, he had a, he was good in college, but you got to ask what. I mean, it, 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 I feel like it's pretty easy to be good uh, when you have David Boston as the number one, and you just get all the attention. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And this this is where eight, nine, and ten, where you could put them anywhere. I just think I threw my, I have them at eight. Just by the way, uh, just because that was my very first game I ever seen was in person, Ohio State, Michigan, um, in nineteen ninety eight, and D Miller caught a touchdown pass, and it's just something special in my heart at that ninety eight season. Just because, I mean it with all respect. They're still top yeah. ten. Yeah. So, but not my number nine is Michael Jenkins, Chris Gamble. Um, just, I think this could be a lot higher if no no pun intended to Craig Krenzel, if they had a Joe Germain or a Justin Fields or a Troy Smith. You know what I mean? Like I feel like they were great for what they had at quarterback, if that made sense. So I have at number nine. I have Devere Posey and Dane. Um, I just like your, one of your memories growing up was um, like D. Miller, David Boss, and one of one of my first Ohio State games. I specifically remember on TV, and, I, like, and this is how how young I am. Was like Dane Sonsenbacher catching that bomb of a touchdown against I believe I forgot what team it was, but it was US. Just, yeah, yeah, it was the bomb. Like you, you know the play. Like he yeah. just runs a deep post, catches a bomb touchdown, um, where he probably shouldn't have caught it. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously, uh, Devere Posey was a dog. I mean, he was probably one of the best wide receivers we had during the Trestle era, outside of, you know Ginn, Gonzalez, Holmes, those guys. Um, great college career by Posey, and good CFL career too. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I had David Boston, D. Miller, eight. Who's your number eight? So I have um, Michael Jenkins and uh, Chris Gamble. Um, the logic behind this was they're eight because they're not, they're definitely higher than nine and ten because they won a national championship. They both had good NFL careers. Um, it's just the only reason I can keep, I can cap the only reason they're ceiling for me was eight was because. Yes, they made the big plays when they needed to, but I didn't feel like receivers were like they were like a duo that was feared. You know, they made the play, they made clutch plays, and they came up clutch, but they weren't like that's not that's not a duo that you're fearing. Chris Campbell, right. and Michael Jenkins, and like like I said, it could have been due to the Maurice Claret was running people over. Yeah, Craig Krenzel wasn't a dominant passer. You know what I mean? I would like to see Chris Gamble in a Ryan Day offense. I mean, that would be, a, I that would would like be, to see that would be interesting. My, 
I'd like to send both of them. That would have been definitely interesting. We could definitely use Chris Gamble in the secondary, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he great. Like Chris Gamble, I mean, great player, though. Like, yeah. Awesome player. Um, number seven, I got, uh, I got Terry, KJ, and or Paris in any order. Um, and my logic between this was because, yes, they're all great. Like, they're all having pretty good NFL careers and stuff, but, um, they're more of a trio and not a duo. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Terry, I think, ha- had a better NFL career than a college career. He did a lot. He's a great player, Terry. Um, but I feel like he he is really shining now on the bigger stage. You know, he, uh, we were talking pre-show. Like, K.J. Hill, I think, had more – had better numbers than um, Terry yeah. that year. I, I think – Doesn't I mean he's not I, doing anything. Yeah. I think if you want to break it down outside of – 2021's wide receiver room, that's probably the best wide receiver room in Ohio State history. Ben Victor, Austin Mack, uh, young, young Chris Olave, uh, you know. Insane room. Yeah, insane room. And it obviously, 20, no, nothing's going to match 2021's room. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number six, I had, I mean, number seven, I had Devin Smith, Michael Thomas. Okay. Again, the only reason why they're number seven is what them two did in the playoffs in 2014. Like, okay. Um, and again, Urban Meyer quarterback run reads. Michael Thomas could have been one of the greatest Ohio State wide receivers in history. Uh, Devin Smith, the best deep ball wide receiver in Ohio State history. I will go to the bank with that because uh, you knew guaranteed if he caught a deep ball touchdown, Ohio State was winning. Absolutely. Um, in my six-spot cast, and we actually – this guy appears on two lists. Like, I think he's the only guy that's on two of these lists, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got – where is it? Uh, I got – Ted Ginn and Anthony Gonzalez. My number six as well. Um, and this is more of, I mean, it's more, Ted Ginn was so dominant. He, he's the only guy that makes two lists. Um, Anthony Gonzalez was a good good player, first round pick, had the big catch against Michigan. Sure catch. But, you know, you know his, his best statistical season only was only 734 yards, eight yeah. touchdowns. That's not, I don't think that's a, amazing season i think he was a product of you know troy smith really yeah and they had brian robisky and roy hall to help out with that and so. yeah um nope number five now this might where we get things different i don't know gonna get controversial here <laughs> number five but has the potential to be two or three and that's marvin harrison jr and emeka buka i actually what had same. I had the same list. Oh, uh, just because they're not, I they're not finished yet. I can't. I, yeah, finished. we can't. We can't sit here and crown them yet. Um, but they are number five because they both had over a thousand yards receiving last year. They both had over seventy catches. And guess what? Emeka Buka played hurt the last three, four games of the three games of the season. I remember texting people during the Rutgers game saying. 
Abuka's being left out of workouts, but he ended up still playing. They and I heard this on I heard this on uh, the uh, I I forget what is the Austin Ward podcast. They said that by it was great for him to have those three weeks off uh, before after Michigan and Georgia because he was back to his explosive self. If you go back and watch the, the last three weeks of the season, he wasn't as explosive as he as he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, Cass. I don't see anything wrong with that list at all. Um, at number four, I, I have them a little higher than you, and I'm going to defend them here. I had Devin Smith and Michael Thomas. Um, Devin Smith obviously is like the alpha, I guess, on this list, if you go by the college numbers. Best deep ball guy in Ohio State history. Um, catch against Miami, unreal, big catches down the stretch for the national championship. Oh, uh, the catch against Wisconsin, some of the big, honestly, some of the biggest catches in Ohio State history. Michael Thomas, obviously, too, the catch in the Sugar Bowl, the catch against Virginia Tech, the, the, the <laughs> yeah, the slant against Michigan State. Michael Thomas, great, great player, obviously, as you know. Um, I just have him at four because obviously they won a national championship. Michael Thomas proved to be a great NFL player. Um, Devin Smith, just a great college. Like it's you, you're getting you're getting an elite NFL player, an elite college player, national championship. They really check all the boxes. I just I just can't believe Devin Smith's 31 years old already. Um, that's really what surprises me. But he honestly kind of had a decent NFL career when it was all said and done. I think. Um, I mean, he's still kind of playing. I think because um, I think he played last year still. Um, I think he's out of the league. He, he, I think he had to re- medically retire because of uh, the 20, Yeah, uh, 2021 was his last. I mean, but he played until 2021, like a um, couple touchdowns in his career, 15 catches, 248 yards, a couple touchdowns, second-round pick. Still a great player, I think. So I have four. And you also have to beg the question, like, the offense. <laughs> like, the, what we were – if what would they have done in a Ryan Day offense? You know, if just you like, put, go ahead. If you put that, if you put, I would like to see what they, Michael Thomas and Devin Smith do in 2018 if they were in like Terry Paris's scheme and all that, you know? Which goes to a good segue because that's my number four is Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell. Interesting. Uh, because just because Terry McLaurin, he was good, but he really exploded on the scene in 2018. He was like a surefire, you know. I'm going. Uh, th- this was an interesting because KJ. If you go back to what you said about the trios, which I agree, Terry McLaurin got the deep balls for a touchdown. Yeah, Paris Campbell took the two three yard out routes and took them and housed them. KJ Hill made sure that Dwayne Haskins had a first down every time. We're also, just kinda, we're also kind of just leaving Johnny Dixon out of that, too. We're all, and like, Ben Victor. Like, yeah. like, Ben Victor, if it wasn't for Ben Victor's touchdown in the, against Penn State, we probably don't win. Like, we're just, yeah, we're kind of knocking Johnny and Ben just because they weren't NFL, like, good, like, NFL greats. Like, but. And they were hurt, too. Like, it, was, it wasn't, like, it, it's kind of hard. Like, yeah, I could probably have them lower on this list about where you had them, but I just think. They really helped Dwayne Haskins. Should have won and that, it, and that's why I don't have him higher. It's just because there's like five guys who who could have done it. 
you could have honestly all and, five. Like, yeah, we could have lost three of those guys. And, like, Ben Victor and Johnny Dixon still a great duo. So it's yeah. like I can't I can't say that, you know, Terry and them are better than that because, like, I'm still confident in those guys to go out and perform. By the way, we keep forgetting Jameson Williams was in that 2020 and 2021. We're not, yeah, we're not going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> we're, well, we got, we got to stop it somewhere. Um, at number three, cast I got Ted Ginn, San Antonio Holmes. Ted Ginn, what I mean, no words needed. Um, the only his only knock on him is just he got hurt <laughs> in the national championship, and then. He, his NFL career, I don't think like he wasn't as high as he's. He still had a great career, yeah. uh, but it wasn't as high as as he was drafted. San Antonio Holmes, you know, nine almost a thousand yards his last year, uh, Super Bowl MVP. That's number three for sure. I have Terry Glenn, Joey Galloway. You talk about guys in, in Ryan Day's offense. Think about what these guys would have done in Ryan Day's offense. So I have I so I have Olave and Wilson number two. I had Ted Ginn, San Antonio Holmes, number two. I have, so I have Olave Wilson, number two. Um, and it, it, it's really just because, I, number one, I, I pay respect to Joey Galloway and Terry Glenn. Um, just And I have Olave and Wilson at number one. Just what those guys did in the era they played in and how good and like long those NFL careers were. I mean, I, you you put them in a Ryan Day offense. I, they're still gonna they're gonna put up. If, if you put Olave and Wilson in Glenn and Galloway's time, I don't know if they would put up better numbers. But if you flip it, I think Glenn and Galloway put up better numbers. Yeah, the only if we're going down this list, the only other duo that I don't see making big na- numbers in the Ryan Day offense is that David Boss and D Miller. Now, we are leaving Chris Carter off the list. Uh, do we want to address that? He's not. He's all time. He's definitely top ten all time. But who was he? He didn't have a a duo like like these guys did. Yeah. Or Paul Warfield either. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted I just wanted to address it because I know someone would ask why we left it off because um, they didn't have a duo really uh, no duo. I, I think next week's show, if we still light on news, best cornerback tandem in. Oh, I like yes, top ten quarterback tandems. Corner, <laughs> shit, Corner. like shit, not. <laughs> this like. is. This will be something we have to dig deep in because we can do cornerback tandems, running back tandems, like a power and speed back. That could get interesting. And we do that week after. And then we can also do best like DN, like best edge rushers. And that'll be the end of tandems. (laughs) We might as well throw in kicker punter. Uh, We'll finish. We'll do that. We're going to do one of these tandems for until, you know, next three or four weeks. And obviously other news too. Um, yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. Should we actually, should we actually, instead of like, cause what you could really do instead of doing tandems for DBs, we'll do the best safety and cornerback groups, like the four, like your two starting safeties and your two starting corners. If that makes sense. I think we should just do tandem. 
Keep it simple, man. You know who will not be on that list is the 2020 team, Sean Wade and oh. <laughs> Seven Banks. And Sean Wade. And the and that was an infamous, infamous team. But yeah. um we're running out of time here. Uh, I want to bring it up, Cass, as we cut good good little way to end. Non-conference basketball schedule got released. Um, first game, we play Oakland at the shot. Um, then number 12, Texas at A&M comes to the shot November 10th. Uh, that'll be a good one. Um, this one's an underrated one, and I think Merrimack, who actually won their conference and had like one of the best defenses in college basketball, um, that that's going to be actually an interesting test. Um, they come to the shot. Then it's Western Michigan. I think that's like the uh, it's no, the it's, em- it's the first round of the Emerald the Emerald games that we play Alabama and either Santa Clara or Oregon and gotcha yeah and then yeah then then there's Alabama we play Alabama for sure which I think that's a great test but um, I think we could beat them for sure just because they lost you know Brandon Miller they lost some a lot of talent. Um, I think we can honestly catch Alabama. That's going to be our big non-conference win, I think. Um, Oregon, Santa Clara, we will probably lose. Oh, and to- the number 12 team come in the country come to the shot. Yeah. Um, that's huge. And then we have Central Michigan. Is Central Michigan ranked? I can't. No, it's a versus. They make – Oh yeah, they make it look like it's a small number. I, I need any glasses. Um, no, it's versus. I I was I had to second guess. That. I'm like, there's no way Central Michigan's ranked. Um, no, no. All right, I'm glad. Um, and Miami, Ohio. Um, those are a shot. Not super exciting, but you know, gotta gotta get your wins in. I mean, um, then CBS Sports Classic, um, December sixteenth. It wouldn't be Kentucky's turn. Uh, we it's a mix of Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA. I believe Which we, next year that ends because UCLA will be conference team. Yeah, uh, but that's always a fun time. Like, um, I think it'll be it's Kentucky's turn, right? Yeah. So then we play I'm, New Orleans um, December twenty. Is that a twenty fifth? No way! Is that Christmas? No, 21st. 21st. Dude, my eyes are shot. Um, oh, my God. Um, and, then 20- West Vir- and then West Virginia, December 30th. Bob Hugginless, West Virginia. Um, that's, I mean, looking at this cast, I'm just going to eyeball it. One, two, three, four. Eight wins at least. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight wins at least. I don't I, yeah, think- eight at minimum. And that's it. That we that that's eight wins if we don't beat anyone big. Yeah, I think we could beat Bama. I think we win one in the CBS Sports Challenge. Um, Heck, I think we could beat in this. I think we can win this Emerald thing, Emerald Coast Classic. Because if we beat, we're going to beat Western Michigan. If we beat Bama, we'll probably beat Oregon or Santa Clara. So. So if we go twelve and zero here, Cass. I mean, we're easily top top four team. And then we go on a go in the stretch in January or February. Yeah, but uh, don't be surprised. We 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 could honestly run that schedule. I mean, it's we have a very good team on paper, um, and it's going to be something, man. It's going to be it's going to be a good good season. I think I'm I'm giving Holtman some all branch. 
Um, I, 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 I'm, you know, positive vibes until January. (laughs) That's all I got though, brother. Um, we got about 10 seconds left. So anything else you need to say? Real quick. Prayers are out to the Herb Street family. Hope Zach is okay. Yep. Thank, thank God Zach's okay. But, um, as always, Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bunch of Notes podcast.